Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers, here to talk about the Ken Norton Jr. news. Uh, no longer employed by the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think it's made uh, official yet by the organization, but that's what's coming down along with um, Andre Curtis, the pass defense coordinator as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot to talk about, Keith. Yeah, it is. And it's not necessarily bad news. Um, this is a defense that struggled uh, to get off the field. They gave up so many third and long you know, conversions. Um, They just could not get off the field. I know I already said that, but it's, it's, I can say it again. They could not get off the field. Um, How many drives of 10 plus plays did they have over the season? At one point I started counting. I gave up when I got to like 21 in a, and I was only like two thirds of the way through the season. That shouldn't happen. They gave up two 19 play drives in in the year. Two. Um, yeah, it's really been going downhill for quite a while, and it really has been. I mean, the mediocrity is something that you kind of get used to in a weird mm-hmm. sort of way as a fan, and you shouldn't have to. Historically, Pete Carroll's defenses have been really pretty well. Let me give you an example. Uh, this year we ranked 11th in scoring defense in 2021 at 21.5 points per game. You think, well, 11th, that's better than two-thirds of the teams in the NFL. Well, when you go back and you look at historic Pete Carroll defenses, the 2013 defense was allowing 14.4 points per game, a full seven points less. Gus Bradley had 15.3 in 2012. Dan Quinn again, 15.9. Chris Richard, 17.3. Ken Norton Jr., his last four defenses, um, his best showing was this year at 21.5. He was 21.7 in 2018. 23.2 in 2020, 24.9 in 2019. And and the DVOA ranking of 21st this year, 26th overall versus the past. We were the fourth worst in the NFL in sack percentage. 22.2% was the seventh worst pressure percentage in the NFL with the 11th fewest sacks. And the defensive backs, you know, um, we we can look at the talent maybe deficit there they came on at the, at the end of the year but overall very poor performing defense um ranked 26 versus the pass and dboa um mm-hmm. and so you had a guy like andre curtis um let go as well so just before we kind of get to what's coming in the next week or two with regards to searching for a replacement let's go into just where the defense has been on Ken Norton Jr., how difficult that conversation must have been for Pete Carroll to have. Yeah, I mean, this this had to have been a tough one because um, Ken Norton Jr. has been with Pete Carroll since USC. He was linebacker's coach there. He was linebacker's coach here. Um, he felt that he was in line for the defensive coordinator job when it went to Chris Richard. Um, that became kind of a sticking point. Um, Ken Norton Jr. then left the organization and went to join the Raiders under Jack Del Rio um, with the idea that he was going to be, 
he was going to be the defensive coordinator there, but it was still Jack Del Rio's defense. So he would learn like the scheming and all that kind of stuff. Um, there were some issues in the locker room with Chris Richard. Um, you know, basically the, the linebackers really were unhappy that the defensive backs coach and not their coach um, got the promotion. So there were some discussions that were made. Um, and then when the defense stopped performing as it had um, and the Seahawks decided they were going to like basically revamp their coaching staff, um, Chris Richard left and Ken Norton Jr. was brought back as the defensive coordinator and to Pete Carroll, he addressed this as being, you know, like making one of those mistakes that he made like, right. Um, and unfortunately he didn't make a mistake. He promoted the right person. He just had his friend leave the organization because of it. And, um, you know, having him come back was great in some ways, but as far as the scheme, and the play calling and the on-field product, it only went downhill. Yeah, so um, culture was okay with Ken mm -hmm. Norton because everyone kind of respects Ken Norton. So we Absolutely. have that layer of respect. That's that's good. Mm -hmm. Everything else was just not up to the standards that we expect. Yeah. And, and to get and that, you into this, into you know, past the first round of the playoffs, all that stuff, you really need a stellar defense to be able to um, to stop great offenses. And yeah, and have it. no, not at all. And and that was it's one of those things because when Seattle as a franchise was at its best, it had Ken Norton Jr. as its linebackers coach because he's a fantastic linebackers coach, and I think that that um, needs to be said. And he's also one of those, like you said, a culture guy. He um, was the guy who enforced curfew in training camp. He was just a master motivator, a guy I loved watching teach during. Um, you know, during training camp, just a lot of fun um, to be around. Uh, but what he wasn't was a guy that was good at um, scheming players and using them in the best way that for them. Yes, and, and, and you've got to be that guy, the X's nose guy. You just have yeah. to. Even if you're running Pete's mm -hmm. scheme, you still have to be able to run the defense oh, yeah. on a weekly basis, diagnose uh, other teams run, you know, put up, put your best foot forward as far as putting players in a position to be successful. All that stuff mm -hmm. just didn't happen on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, we saw that in the first two, you know, starts of the last two years, you know, that the defense has just been not ready for prime time. Yeah. Coming out they, of the game, out of, they, out of training camp. Yeah. They like in both years, they started out just awful. And then, you know, turned a corner a little bit later. Um, but it goes to show you that, okay, at what point, you know, did other voices come in and, and, and step in? We don't know the insider's stuff, and I, we, we never will. Um, but, but it sure seems like that, though. The entire, the entire summer spent of examining the talent on your team, designing how to use them best, how to implement everything, how to teach that implementation during training camp so that you are ready and you get the most out of the players that you have for two years in a row. That entire process has been just upside down the worst possible direction it could go. And I think that alone should have meant that yes, uh, right. Ken Norton Jr. was gone. Yes, and I think we both agree on that, and that's probably exactly why he was let go. Because, you know, you can take an alternative take to this whole situation and say, well, the last two years the defense ended, you know, 
improving and, and, and so forth. But that just isn't enough. That just isn't enough to overcome Mm-mm. those poor starts. And when you start that poorly, you really put your team in a, in a, in a deficit by the time that the, half the season is over that you're just trying to climb out of um, to, to get to the playoffs and then just still not good enough at the end. Okay. Well, some people so, will say some people will say that all of that might have to do with COVID and the lack of um, off-season work, and some of it, so much of it is Zoom and online and all that kind of stuff. And I would give you the counterpoint of uh, a former Seahawks defensive coordinator, and that would be Dan Quinn, who came in this off-season, implemented an all-new defense in Dallas, um, had his best talent uh, get injured and miss most of the season, and still managed to make an instant impact on making that that uh defense substantially better uh and i mean that's we all know dan quinn he's a fantastic defensive coordinator and he was able to do that with a new team a completely new scheme all of that um norton's been here for years like this shouldn't be a thing and yet it is and so i think that is um it's really telling that with that part and you can't just blame COVID and the off-season limitations. So uh, Bob Kandata, um, in reporting this news, also put out a couple of names and initial names that are being mentioned um, to him uh, as guys that could potentially take this job. One of them's inside the organization, and the Mm -hmm. other one is outside the organization. I just thought I'd just talk about those and then maybe a few other guys um right let's now with, let's start with clint hurt because yeah. um he's the assistant head coach he's also the defensive line coach he's the guy who took over um the defensive line when dan quinn uh left and because dan quinn was the defensive line coach on top of things and yeah he had some assistance but um clint hurt kind of took that role over he's had it for a while um four years got, yep yep he got promoted to um defensive head coach he's been doing you know, some work and helping Pete Carroll out that way. And my guess is his name is being included in part to keep him in Seattle because he has been mentioned in um, Miami as a, a potential for their defensive coordinator job. Um, and so there's going to be some talk about, like, okay, if he leaves, that means we're, we're losing most of our defensive coaching staff, our senior defensive coaching staff. Um, and do they want to go down that road and bring in a whole new staff or do you promote that guy? So there's one less, um, one less senior position that you're filling in the same off season. Well, let's be careful with what we do here because that would be interesting. So the, the continuity argument is a argument to be had and a discussion to be had. Uh, let's talk about the pluses and minuses of Clint Hurt uh, being named the defensive coordinator just out of hand because it's convenient as opposed to what's best for the franchise. It could be both. Um, and, and examining Pete Carroll and his scheme and the changes and at 70, 71 this season coming up, uh, is he of the mindset to let go of his own scheme to bring in somebody else outside the organization like he did on the offense um, to implement a completely new scheme and to completely turn over the, the reins to that. Um, I just really question 
if anybody would do that, not not just Pete, but anybody in the similar position, that would be awfully difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about that as far as what Clint Hurt would represent, and that would would that be enough of a change? It would really depend on Clint Hurt's philosophy on how to use player personnel and all that kind of stuff, and we just don't know that. And we don't. Um, the only thing that I could say is that um, in terms of trends, when you see defensive line coach and linebacker, well, really defensive line coaches um, promoted into defensive coordinators, um, one of the, I saw a study that said that they tend to blitz more and, and do more with pressure. Um, and then when you have defensive back coaches that get promoted into that, they tend to drop the linebackers more and do more coverage, um, which makes a little bit of sense considering that's what they know. But I, I did see a study that said that the the um, the, the correlation was pretty strong. And so I'm, I'm all for a uh, defensive line coach um, coming and up. And have it a little and- bit more of an aggressive and having an aggressive stance, so dictate terms to the to the offense. So I like I like that, but I mean, again, that's that was over that was over a extremely large sample size of the entire NFL over um, more than a decade. So, um, yeah, we Clint Hurt would then be a small sample size, and he might be the opposite. He might be like, oh no, my guys can handle it. Get them all, get everybody back there in coverage, and I'd hate to see that because I want to see them attack more, but. As far as the continuity argument, you know, there's something to be said about about that because, like I said, you, you change over your entire um, senior uh, defensive staff. You're bringing in a whole new defense. Now you you've got guys that are really excelling in their current role and what they're doing. Guys like Jordan Brooks and and Daryl Taylor, and you're going to ask them to learn a completely new everything. And that might take a year off their development as far as well. What do you what do you think about the way that Daryl Taylor was used, though? You know, when you go look at the depth of that argument, you can say, well, it's possible that somebody else could come in and use him more optimally to fit his skill set better, which is rushing the passer. Yeah. Which uh, actually you sent me a um, a a thing that with the. pass rush what pass rush win rates versus the amount of times that they were double teamed compared to other players um and it was all in a graph and daryl taylor wasn't double teamed much but his pass rush win rate why do i have a hard time saying that <laughs> oh, everybody um, does yeah <laughs> but it, but his his pass rush win rate was pretty dang high especially for yes. a first year player um so yes i mean and then of course there's aaron donald who was I go oh, number, uh, number, number one in number he's one like, in the league in both of those. He's yeah, not he's like him. Jupiter, so. you know, sitting up, <laughs> you know, at the very top, just dominating. Like almost everything revolves around him. Yeah. Um, uh, but okay. Anyway, so, but, so we've got the Clint Hurt option, mm-hmm. which, and we can have a further in-depth conversation about this, you know, as, as we learn more um, about this option. And but let's talk about a couple other names. The other name the that other Bob. Ones? The, that Bob Kendata mentioned was Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos under Vic Fangio. Now, if every, everyone remembers Vic Fangio, before he joined as head coach of the Broncos, he was the defensive coordinator with the Bears. In 2018 was his last year there, and the Bears were number one defense overall in the NFL. Points allowed, 17.7. Turnovers, 36. First downs allowed rushing yards allowed, et cetera, just the best defense. He, he went to work for the Broncos. He brought 
Doug Donatel, who was the defensive backs coordinator with the Bears, to be his defensive coordinator uh, and run his scheme in Denver. And they've been together for, um, I think, 12 years overall in different mm-hmm. varying forms. So Ed Donatel, if if uh, true, and his name is on the short list, uh, would come in and, and implement a Vic Fangio defense, uh, which is a 3-4 brand defense with a cover two kind of scheme. So too high safety. Um, they prevent things over the top. Pete likes that. They're very aggressive rushing the passer. Um, good solid tackling sort of scheme. Everything kind of plays into what Pete already likes. Uh, I would have to imagine, though, that it would be some sort of a hybrid system, which Pete already really runs between a 4-3 and a 3-4 defense with the strong side linebacker, all that kind of stuff. So um, what are your thoughts on that name, the the coaching tree, the mindset of the thinking in in that name coming to the to the front? Well, not only were the Bears fantastic under Fangio, but the Broncos defense has been fantastic under uh, Donatel, which, you know, again, you've got Fangio's fingerprints on it as the head coach. But uh, look at how well that defense performed even after trading a guy like Von Miller. That was still a good defense. Um, and so I, I like it. What I don't like about that particular move is the personnel um, on the Seahawks roster versus that scheme. Um, so would the, you would need to it would need to be some sort of different scheme than that because uh, it's a it's a well or we go hybrid. require players to to, True. to fit. But where do you fit um, Jamal Adams in that scheme? Where do you, well, you fit Jamal Adams? Is is got to be a traditional strong safety in that scheme, and you go get a, a second. You, well, you retain Diggs, but you go get a second free safety. Um, yeah. that, that can operate in that scheme because we yeah, don't have I mean, anybody on the roster right now. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, I look at that and I look at the front seven um, and I you don't gotta have know. more athletic linebackers and yeah. Yeah. Th- this is a team that, that, that this year had two and a half linebackers um, on the roster. And although um, Barton proved maybe he's more than a half in those last two games, but uh, yeah. they, they didn't have it. You need a pile of linebackers yeah, to run that. You sure do. Um, right. And and so I, and then the CX also have. I mean, the part of it you do have a lot of five tech um, style defensive ends. Yeah, um, guys that can play in that. So maybe that's that's an advantage. But you've also got guys on the roster that are built more um, for the seven tech, the Leo side, the other side of the line, and you know are can they stand up and play outside linebacker and do all of those things? We saw them try and do that with uh, a variety of different guys, including Daryl Taylor and Alton mm-hmm. Robinson mm-hmm. Um, to mixed success. And mm-hmm. now you're going to lean on that aspect of it in order to field your team a lot. I'm not convinced this is a great move just from a personnel standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think long, long term it could be fantastic, but for next year, it's going to be a, it's going to be a weird transition year that's going to be going to be tough to to see um and besides if, with fangio being let go in denver why are you not hiring going fangio? for fangio why are you yeah, not hiring really fangio did, as your defensive well, why, reason, why would you go for donatel the and the reason for that is is what i mentioned prior is that pete carroll is going to have a real hard time completely letting go of his mm-hmm. defensive scheme and a guy like Ed donatel you could massage that I think a transition. So it points to kind of the personnel difficulties you talked about. 
um, why not run a blended scheme where you transition from Pete's scheme to Donatello's over time? You kind of implement that. Uh, and that would be an interesting way to kind of be able to transition to a new scheme would be to, to blend that, you know, hybrid well, when, style. And when Pete Carroll came to Seattle, they looked at the roster and they looked at, okay, how do we use individual guys? And they found guys like Red Bryant that looked like he was probably on his way out of the NFL because he just wasn't um, a good defensive tackle. And they go, well, if we move him to five tech and let him set the edge and, and work against um, offensive tackles, this 330 pound guy is going to going to dominate yeah. and he did uh, and they made similar moves across the line they brought yes. in a super undersized uh guy yes. from philly to be their other defensive end and everyone's like what are you doing chris clemens turned out to be fantastic in that role but they they looked at individual skills and said okay how can we use that and now more recently it feels like they're taking guys with skill sets that are unique like jamal adams and saying no, we're not going to change to you. You have to change to us. Yes. Um, and that's, yes. that's that's been a, a philosophical change that I haven't liked, um, and I don't think anyone has. And I think that if you bring in a guy like Donatello and you now have a different scheme in mind over what you've got, you know, now you start doing that again. You start looking at the personnel and go, what can we do with each individual player? What do they do best? How can we get them in position to do that thing? Um, and that might meet, might create a scheme that really is um, fun and, and, and successful and all that. So I would, I'm willing to take that risk. You know what I mean? Like if the CX yeah. decide to go, go down that road, I'm behind it. If they decide not to go down that road because they don't, they don't want to transition year as far as like, changing yes. of a lot of defensive personnel you know what i'm okay with that too um and now a word from our sponsor DraftKings. the nfl playoffs are here and DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl is kicking things off with a huge offer counting down to super bowl 56 new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game bet just five dollars and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN. This wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So. Yeah, I mean, we that's the, that's the conversation that's being had right now yeah. inside the organization. The other coaches that are, uh, are on at least my short list, um, would be Gus Bradley, you know, um, a guy that's isn't he uh, under Raiders, contract? Raiders defensive coordinator uh, under uh, their current situation under interim coach Rick Basaccia. 
and mm-hmm. he may not be back. And if he's not back, it's likely that that coaching staff gets terminated as well at some point, and he yep. may be part of that conversation. I'm just saying it might be something that's familiar out there that Pete may be interested in. Um, Head coaches like to hire their own staff. Um, they will interview the people on site. I and guess Bradley was retired originally um, by Pete. He might be retained by the new staff. Who knows? Yeah, because, I mean, uh, Gus Bradley was the linebacker coach in Tampa, um, hired to be defensive coordinator by Jim Mora Jr. uh, in Seattle, and um, of all things, and then... Nice ringtone. Yeah, thank you. Um, But yeah, hired by Jim Mora Jr., of all people, uh, for one year, and then Mora got fired. And when Pete Carroll came up, he interviewed Gus Bradley, and he they also had a common... um, you know, they're part of the coaching tree, a similar coaching tree. Um, and, you know, basically was, you know, decided to keep him on. And that worked really well. Those first two years under Gus Bradley were fantastic with Bradley implementing Carol's scheme. Yes. Um, and so Bradley was involved in those those decisions and those um, that brainstorming of how to use unique guys like red and, Bryant. and they had 250 um, roster well you know for the defense they probably had well, 150 true. roster transactions to get the people in that they wanted to get as well true so. but that's because the, the the roster was also fairly like the cupboard was bare talent wise it so was just, i mean they were ranked 24th overall on defense that first year that gus bradley took over and then mm-hmm. but they improved vastly very quickly well yeah and so they were terrible at the beginning of the year um, you know, the Brandon Browner experiment uh, at um, cornerback started out as ugly as it could possibly get. But then, you know, it's like the lights turned on for him. And um, it's amazing what happens when you get Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman on your roster. How yeah, well, quickly yeah, your Earl, defense can Earl, Earl Thomas was, you know, he was that he, when he as his the first half of his rookie year, he flew all over the place and made plays, but he also flew all over the place and got himself out of position. And then yeah. Pete Carroll slowed him down a little bit and and got him to really focus in on what he was doing. And all of a sudden, Brandon Browner looked fantastic. Um, yes. And and that pairing, and then of course the following year. Um, in our, at the end of that year, you add Richard Sherman into it once all the injuries happen, and then you get the the full Richard Sherman the following year, and and you know that's a great defense. Um, but Gus Bradley was the guy that figured out that front seven and how to use those individual people, um, and how to how to teach that scheme because it was new to all uh, all the players on the roster um, to the coaches so that they could teach it to the players. And uh, there's it, that was a great working relationship. Uh, and I'd love to see Gus Bradley back. I would. I mean, I think him him failing as a head coach in Jacksonville has nothing to do with his ability as a defensive coordinator. So, you know, it's early in this process, and there's a few other names. Um, nobody's been hired, to my knowledge, as a defensive coordinator yet this offseason, even though we have eight current head, eight or nine current head coaching opportunities, if you throw in that Vegas opportunity. Um, so there's still a lot of moving parts yet to be to be made and but the fact that eight separate coaching staffs in the nfl have been let go essentially i mean the head coaches have theoretically those coaching staffs are still under contract but the vast majority of those guys will be moving around somewhere and so there's a lot of names to consider it's early in the process do you think that the seahawks are going to be as patient as they were last year when they considered multiple 
multiple people and finally settled on Shane Waldron? I think they will because they have no reason not to. This isn't a situation where you've got to assemble your staff and whatever. They're looking for a person who's going to come in, um, be a new set of eyes with with new ideas, uh, be innovative, but also be someone that can work with Pete Carroll and the current coaching staff and, and all of that. So they're looking for something in particular and they'll wait till they find it. Um, How do you more I, think it, it goes? Cause you know, they've got two completely separate paths. One yeah. is the familiarity and the other one is the fresh and new. And is it a blend or is it one or the other? Well, Honestly, um, if I had to guess at this point, Pete Carroll's history would say it's going to be Clint Hurt, right? Um, because all of the, like Dan Quinn, even though he was with Miami um, in University of Miami, um, when they hired him, he had just left uh, and spent one year when he wasn't Seattle's defensive line coach. Gus Bradley had been here. Um, Chris Richard had moved with him from exactly. uh, USC and had been here. Um, Do you think that that's the, you know, the change that this organization needs to be successful again? I don't think so. I think that you've going with Clint Hurt. I don't going with Clint Hurt is safe, but right now this defense doesn't need safe. This defense looks stagnant. It looks old, and I don't mean old in terms of the players. I mean it looks old in terms of the scheme. It te- seems that it isn't the fresh, innovative. Um, scheme that everyone is mimicking, which was what happened, right? When uh, Pete Carroll came in, all of a sudden everyone wanted Seattle's defense. So they hired Gus Bradley, they hired Dan Quinn, um, the 49ers. Um, Chris Richard, et cetera. Co- co- coaching staff switched to um, this scheme and it, everyone was was trying to get a, a piece of what Seattle was doing. Nobody's doing that anymore. Yeah, if you don't right? change the NFL, if you don't keep up, you fall behind. Exactly, and we have fallen behind by spades. I mean, it's it's crazy uh, because I really enjoy Pete's defenses, but um, we've it seems like we've gotten away from getting the right personnel in to implement the defense the way that Pete wants it to be implemented. So when you do that, you then make exceptions to to mm-hmm. to your own rules. Be, and and run scheme things that aren't typically what you would do and you you end up just not it's it's the same thing on offense it's like we got away from our identity of running the ball and when you make your identity running the ball you get the personnel up front in the trenches and you get the personnel at running back and you run the ball and you're the best in the NFL that's what you should be doing yeah. on defense conversely you should be the very best at what you want to do and um and and we're just not and so no. i i think that a guy like clint hurt could be successful because i don't know clint hurt personally whether uh from all accounts it sounds like he's very well respected mm-hmm. as a coach but i don't know what exact effect he would have to change things enough to to get back to where we are feared where we are running uh, a, a nice blend of um, zone, but also can press um, in coverage as well. We just don't have the personnel to press. Yeah, You know, what if we had the, gone, the shutdown the, corner on one side where we could press? What if we had that second free safety that was faster 
than digs and digs could be kind of the this the epicenter of the brain of the of the thing but we also had a young guy you know coming in behind him that that could really be effective in running sideline to sideline and 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 shutting things down um we, you know i respect digs but he's a certain level of player he's not where earl thomas was as a player yeah, but earl, there's there's been one earl there's thomas. one earl thomas i get that but there's still <laughs> There are free safeties in this league that could be Earl Thomas-like in Pete Carroll's defense. I believe that. Yeah, I mean, Diggs doesn't have the speed that that Thomas did. Most safeties don't have that speed. Um, okay, sure. But the bigger problem I think you got to is that they don't they don't press anymore. It's, it's not that you don't have to run press man. You can run press zone because that's what and they did. And you don't did. have to run it all the time. Yeah, that's what they did with um, Sherman and Browner and, and all the – uh, parade of guys that replaced Browner on that other side. Um, That's they, why I kind of like a, a guy like Donatel is because yeah. they run that yep. scheme where they they press about 30, 35% of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's part of their scheme. And so yeah. on, on first and second down, you can run that zone. He likes to run tighter coverage zone than Pete Carroll does. So I think that you would see that tighten up a little bit better. I think that's really going to be would be effective. And then they press on third downs and so forth. And I think that that's that's the difference that I think I would enjoy seeing in this defense. But to me, it's more than just okay. Let's press more because are you really going to press more when your your um, top two corners are five nine one eighty five? And that's a, that's a personnel decision that needs to be had. <laughs> That's a and conversation think, that needs to be had, and I agree with that. And I think that's why they went away from pressing because when Trey Brown and um, Reed with became your, yeah, or I was saying with when it was Reed and and um, yeah, and right, Trey right, Brown right. were your were your best two corners, you're not you're not pressing anybody. Um, Witherspoon was brought in because he was a bigger guy that could press and do yes. that thing, and he essentially and Trey Flowers play. was was that guy, but never was successful at it. Yeah, neither of those guys wanted to press. They wanted to bail so that they could get back and not get beat deep, and they were just giving up completion after completion after completion on the um, underneath. I mean, um, Witherspoon wasn't, but the team was asking him to press, and he didn't want to, and so they traded him to um, Pittsburgh. And if you watch the Pittsburgh. Uh, game i mean they got beat up on but it has nothing to do with witherspoon witherspoon was, was played really well in that game um so he's a guy that can play but just wasn't a fit for what seattle wanted to do um and that's a personnel issue but uh you you're not pressing with reed brown Sidney jones the guys that are on the roster now you're just not you need bigger longer corners and They've well, we have an opportunity, and we were going to have some some roster evaluation shows here coming up. The, the The next two shows after this show, we're going to be offense and defensive roster and and team needs evaluations. And when you take a look at this, the cornerback group this year, we've got one corner under contract in Trey Brown, and then DJ Reed and Sidney Jones, which were our starters the last ten games, are are unrestricted free agents. And then you've got a whole bunch of guys that are under futures contract that, you know, are just guys, really, the replaceable level guys. And then Mike Jackson is a is a restricted guy. And then uh, Bless Austin's a restricted guy. Um, or, or Mike Jackson's an exclusive rights guy. So it's, it's one of those deals where there's huge talent deficits going on right now in, in the cornerback room. Even though we had fairly decent play going out, there's no 
real indication that DJ Reed or Sidney Jones would be back. I would I would imagine the team wants them back and, mm-hmm. and probably will try to re-sign both. But the team could be completely rebuilding that that room this offseason. And if they get a new defensive coordinator and a new defensive backs coach, maybe that's a good thing. And I don't necessarily fear that change. I think that that change mm-hmm. could actually be a benefit to the team overall yep. if it happens. Because if you asked me earlier for a prediction, I said if I were to make a prediction, I would say Clint Hurt or Gus Bradley. Um, if I could tell you what I want based on the 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 things that we've talked about, it would be a guy like Ed Donatel. I want I want something. I want new eyes. I, I I want this defense to evolve. I want Pete Carroll to have a say, and it, it to be you know some of him. But I it needs to evolve and become something that is feared again. And you, to do that, you need to change. You need to do things a little bit differently. Um, and to do that, I think you need new ideas. And you, the truth is Gus Bradley might be that because it's not like he's been only running exactly what Pete Carroll would do the whole time he's been gone with uh, the different jobs that he's done. He's moved away from some of uh, what Pete Carroll was doing in order to find success and so he's I t- been I, a good defensive coordinator. So, so I took these, bullet point and then we'll finish i took mm-hmm. these bull- bullet points from an interview that ed donatel did in 2019 about what their scheme is and what they like to do and he says they like to run tight coverage with with a good dose of press mixed in with zone he likes clean but hard tackling create turnovers create disguises that work dictate to the offense get guys that want to improve every day now if that doesn't sound like pete carroll I don't know what what does. That's like that's, Pete Carroll in in a different person. <laughs> that's that. Those are those are Pete Carroll's. Um, I mean, how many times have we heard those those things come from Pete Carroll? Like right. so so many times. Now they go about getting to those things in different ways. And Pete Carroll would add, you know, stop the run. Yes, and um, and he that. comes from a defense where they finish in the top. 10 in, in run defense yeah. in, in um, Donatel's history for a long time under Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like it. I think he would be, he'd be fun. If nothing else, you know what? He would be fun. It would be something that you and I could get together and talk about all this process off, is going to be fun. I don't... <laughs> like we did with uh, yeah. Shane Waldron this yes. last year. Uh, hopefully it's... this year, the, the, the personnel gets to a point where we get to have some more fun with, with, Shane Waldron's scheme because we saw what Shane Waldron's scheme was the last like it's amazing uh, what you can do weeks. when you can run the ball effectively. Yep. Once, and, which is Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete ended up turning turning out correct yep. when he said that in the offseason. He said, "I want to run the ball more effectively." Everyone interpreted that, and I want to run the ball more, and I want to run it more effectively. Everyone interpreted that as being okay. Pete wants to run the ball sixty percent of the time. Russell Wilson's unhappy, and he wants to leave. Blah blah blah. That's completely that's not what he said bullshit it is which is which is what it is it isn't what he said yeah what he what Um, he meant was exactly what we saw the last five weeks yeah when you get you get a a running back like rashad penny going and it opens up everything and part of that is if you get you have russell wilson and dk metcalf and tyler lockett attacking you know the outside and, and stretching the defense it opens up the running game and you get those things working together and then you know, you basically put the defense on their heels because if they drop off and they're worried so much about the the corners, you're just going to run it down their throat and run it effectively. And we saw what Penny did with that. Yeah. That 
That was Shane Waldron's offense. If you were worried about like, you know, some of the stuff that you saw when Russ was out or when they had no running backs healthy or any of that, that wasn't the offense as it was designed. What was the offense as it was designed was the last six weeks when it was one of the better offenses in the entire NFL. Yeah. Um, even with a defense that could not get off the field and give them any time of possession. Correct. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the defense at least improving on the time of possession thing next mm-hmm. year, if if nothing else. So cool. I mean, it's gonna be a wild ride here. I you know, this is one of those things, Keith, that you and I have been talking about for a couple of years here. This change that I think we, that we both saw needed. and needed. Yeah, it's, it's been both needed. been needed. And so, you know. <laughs> I trust the process is going to work. Pete Carroll is a great defensive mind. He just is. You know, I, I think the problem with Pete is he's so damn loyal, which is one of the things I respect a lot about the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it gets into his own way sometimes um, when change needs to happen. Well, he's pulled the trigger on change now, two years in a row. So yep. let's let Pete have an opportunity to to get his guy in and figure this out. I trust the process. And over and over again, Pete's made good decisions for the most part on personnel and coaching staffs. Mm-hmm. Um, this Ken Norton Jr. thing, not notwithstanding, it's been a, yeah, that's a pretty been, good run. That's been been one of the bad one of the the bad moves. Um, and, and for it was, Pete, it was probably a, a, a good move in his brain because he got a guy that he really trusted, and you know, et cetera. It well, just didn't the, work. The other thing is that if you look at what happened um, when um, Norton was gone, that was when the culture of the locker room and everything was changed, and you started to have um, stars that were being that were basically not buying in anymore. Guys like Richard Sherman and and, and Michael Bennett. You had you were having like culture wars inside the uh, the locker room, and it coincided with Norton leaving. So. The coaching staff got jettisoned. Those players got jettisoned. Norton came back. Now they don't have any of those culture problems. Imagine that. Um, so it wasn't a bad move in that sense. But the that is exactly spot on. But the on-field product also didn't improve in a way that you would expect when you fix the culture. And so this needed to happen. I, I've I've said for the last couple of years, I didn't think he would fire Ken Norton Jr. for that reason. I thought he would promote him to assistant head coach, give him job descriptions that were not um, the defensive coordinator. He wasn't scheming. He wasn't calling plays. He wasn't doing that, but he was doing other organizational things. Um, and that may still happen. We yeah. This has not been officially announced. Yeah. And so I, I always felt that would be what he did because I, he wouldn't want to lose what Ken Norton Jr. brought to uh, the locker room in terms of all the other stuff. He is such a awesome guy and is so well respected and this is one of those key parts to keeping the pete carroll culture the way it is um i always thought he would promote him and change his job description and get him out of any kind of coordinating of the defense um in order to open up a hole for someone else but keep him on staff for the things he does well and i was a little surprised when i first saw oh they're you know firing him and then i read there and they're like yeah, they, they're expected to move on with him as defensive coordinator. That doesn't mean they're moving on from him within the organization. And we'll see how that goes. I mean, that might be a thing. I mean, they they kind of did the same thing with Chris Richard. Um, 
at that time and then that ended up not working out and eventually yeah be, well and the reason and the reason that that might be a thing is because pete is a is a is an amazing guy he just is and he probably knows that ken norton jr is probably not going to be in line for a new another defensive coordinator job in the nfl at least anytime soon he would yeah. probably need to go back to being a linebackers coach a position coach yep and so th there might be a feeling that um, I'm going to take care of him and mm -hmm. um, find him a spot. And so you just never know. But if you're if you're bringing a brand new coach in that's got a whole new scheme and a, and a coaching staff of his own, that might not work. So yep. we'll see. So if if you're if you're Ken Norton Jr., you realize at this point your career's stuck. Because you've failed at defensive coordinator twice. You're not ever yes. getting promoted, right? You're yes. not going to get your head coaching chance. But if you take a chance, take a job as a um as an assistant head coach, you are so well respected everywhere in the league. Um, both for you as a as a Hall of Fame player and then you know, as a coach and as a person, um, you can basically get yourself in line to become a head coach by being an assistant head coach, not being a defensive coordinator. And so you can actually get an opportunity to come in. Now, one of the things when you go in, you, you're going to be like, okay, you're this defensive mind, but you have to bring a defensive coordinator with you because you're not one. Right. Um, right. Right. No, that's, that's a good okay. point. I mean, you look at, um, at Harbaugh in Baltimore, he was, a, he was a special teams coach. Now he had to go to college as a head coach in order to, um and that show, might be a path that show Ken that Norton could, could go yep show that he could do the the head coaching job before he got an NFL job but he was an NFL coach um beforehand and that might be what Ken Norton does is he goes and he you know takes over San Diego State or you know some school in California and you know get to them USC no you know USC just hired a, um you I know, know. I, uh, you know what I mean yeah. you know, a, a massive coach, but yeah, right, go, right, right. you go, you go, you take over a program, you run, you do it well as a, uh, as a head coach. Um, and then you get your opportunity to come back in the NFL as a head coach. And I think that Ken Norton jr. Would actually be a great head coach. I do too. You think about how much the players love him and how yes. much everybody respects him. And he is that guy. He was, he is that guy who helped Pete Carroll build the culture. And then when he left and had to come back, he had to come back and fix and repair that culture. He can do that for your, your team. If you're hiring a head coach, um, he's not a scheme guy. He's not a guy that's going to come in and, and dictate. So he needs to have strong coordinators. So what? Yeah. A lot right. of, a lot of coaches need strong coordinators in order to make it work. Um, and I think he would be a good head coach. I think he's a terrible defensive coordinator. It turns um, out, yeah, yeah, and and it turns out that people will be like, "Huh, what?" But those two things they are, they are different skill sets. Yes, they really are different skill sets, and I think most people don't recognize just how different a skill set it is for a um, to be a coordinator versus being a head coach. They're not the same. Wow, fun conversation. That was yeah. that was a great uh, great ending to to a really nice show. I enjoy it. So this is going to be a continued conversation. Um, not not the end. We'll probably have a show built around whoever they select and how it's going to change and what happens from there. So whoever they're interviewing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's get out of here. Find okay. Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm MWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. 
You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube and subscribe. So until next time, go Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.